Hello, church family. This is part two in our study through Exodus chapter 7, uh, verse 14, until uh, basically chapter 11. This is going to be a very interesting. I usually uh, teach through one chapter at a time, but I think for the sake of flow as we go through each of these, uh, I decided to take um, uh, like a longer uh, portion of this book, uh, mainly so that we can have like... Um, continuity because it'd be weird if i just kind of uh i guess a lot of it's mainly because the way the new american standard and most of our english bible the way they're divided up it makes it kind of weird i would have divided it a little bit differently um but anyways uh this this is the reason why i want to do this because this it's going to be hard to kind of do devotion to every single uh plague but um but i think i want to just kind of survey through these plagues as well just explain why each of these uh, plays are significant in the way that they are. Like God is not random in terms of his judgments. God's always specific and is intentional. And I said on Monday that the reason why God does what he did is to really to humble uh, the gods of Egypt, all those false gods as well as Pharaoh himself. He's going to show himself as the God that is over, that has the dominant control all of, through all of creation and, uh, and everything. He, he's in control of the insects, everything under creation is under his, under his rules. Uh, you, recall, you recall early on the, uh, when the plagues began, the magicians were able to duplicate some of them. And here on out, you don't see that. And in fact, after um, the, the plague of insects, uh, where uh, you know, basically the dust turned into little gnats or lice and everything, the magicians couldn't do it anymore. But the Egyptians don't, I mean, the magicians don't disappear. Uh, they do show up later in this chapter, but they um, they aren't a- unable to do anything. But they're still around, which is weird because you see, they acknowledge that God is the one true God that is able to do all of these things. Um, actually, they don't, I guess they don't acknowledge him as a true God. They just acknowledge that he's the one doing it. There's a, there's no repentance here. Just just like Pharaoh would acknowledge that Yahweh is doing things, but he, they won't he they won't worship him as God. And as we go through each uh, chapter nine for today. Um, I hope that you could just kind of see uh, just the way that man responds to how um, how God acts, uh, and oftentimes is very disappointing. But we have to understand that without the God's without God's grace in our life, we're no different than the Egyptians. Then it is only by God's grace that we see God, and we see His Word, we know who He is, we love Him, and we grow in our knowledge of Him because of it. Without any of God's grace, we will not be in the state that we're in to, that we understand and love the Lord. So today we're going to look at chapter 9. Chapter 9, the play continues. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and speak to him. Thus says Yahweh, the God of Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will come with a very severe pestilence on your livestock, which are in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, of the, on the camels, and the herds, and the flocks. So what's actually interesting here is that um, this is the first curse where it's an attack on some sort of life. Whereas frogs, you know, it's a summon and then they eventually die or bugs that like fly away. This is an actual attack that something is going to die. And this is the cattle, all of the things that they use their livestock. This is basically going to just wreck their economy. Um, verse 4, but the Lord will make a distinction between livestock of Israel and livestock of Egypt so that nothing will die of all, the thing, all that belongs to sons of Israel. The Lord set a definite time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. And I just want to highlight this one word here, definite time. We have to understand as Christians that every single time that God does his judgment, it is always definite. It may seem like a delay for some, 
But whenever God invokes his judgment, whenever he takes a life and throws him into his wrath, these are definitive times. Uh, God's judgment, all of his judgment are set in stone. They do not change. We may not know when these things are, but God has it uh, in his mind and his decree. He knows exactly when his judgment is going to be. And again, what's interesting here also is that verse 4, this is a time where, again, he's going to make a distinction between God watching over his people and God um, destroying the Egyptians. He's only going to attack the Egyptian livestock. And this is, again, even for secular people that try to de debunk uh, the Bible and all the miraculous events in it, how can you do that? You know, like, uh, if there, if God was going to, if there was some sort of plague, people will always say things like, oh, it's some sort of disease that only kills certain animals but no they had they didn't make that distinction god made those distinction on just the ownership but the cattle themselves are just you know some of them were just probably you know it could be like the the one cow having two calves and one of the calves went to israel and the other calf went to uh um, egypt and then one the one that's egyptian is going to is going to die from it but this again is to show that the there's a dividing line between the god of israel and the in the egyptian gods so the lord did this thing on the next day and the livestock of egypt died but of the livestock of the sons of Israel, did uh, Israel not one died? Pharaoh said, "Behold, there was not even one of Israel's livestock of Israel, one of livestock of Israel dead. But the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go." Uh, and it's really strange uh, because there's a sense almost like he doubted God. I, I at least how I interpret like he he probably he saw all his cows die. He's like, I wonder if the Egypt if the Israelites cows are really dead. So he sends people out there and he like sits in and sees like, oh yeah, no, all the Egyptian all, all the Egyptian ones are dead and the Israelites are alive. Now, which of the God here are they going against? The Egyptian God here, Hathor, he's a God of he's the, actually she is a goddess of of defense. And the reason why that is is she has a head of a cow. And we call a woman a cow in modern-day context. This is uh, that's a very derogatory and offensive. But back then, there was actually a deity with a cow head. And Yahweh, and this god in particular, is is the god of, de of defense. Like, the, the cow was supposed to be a symbolic deity that like that they will be protected and you know, there will be... You know, again, you understand cows are real big creatures. So then they kind of thought, okay, well... The, this god Hathor must must be like that as well, and Yahweh again shows them that the, the, these Egyptian gods cannot protect them. The god is in control over the animals. That these animals just died on the spot, and God, the, the, this Egyptian god, can protect them, and the Egyptian god would not be able to protect protect uh, the people as well as the animals. Now we move on to the next one, the boils. And again, if you look at these curses, it's, it's in, 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 it increases in, in its intensity. And not only that, that these boils are actually like directly afflicting the people. When we were looking back at the insects and lice, they were just like a, a trouble. They're just annoying. They're just kind of like flies and bugs just kind of landing on them. Um, but they didn't really like actually hurt them, like actually cause them a tremendous amount of pain. This is one actually hurts. This one is boils. Verse 8. Uh, then, uh, then Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourselves handfuls of suit from a clin in the sight of Pharaoh. It will become fine dust over all the land of Egypt and will become boils, breaking out of the sores of man and beast through all the land. So he took suit from a clin and stood before Pharaoh, and Moses threw it toward the sky, and it became boils, breaking out with sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for they, for the boils were on the Egypt magicians as well as on all the Egyptians. And Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, 
and he did not listen to them, just as Yahweh had spoken to Moses. So, uh, this in particular boils. It's it's a plague that's the most is harmful, and Moses throws his dust into the air essentially, and it, it just it just spread all over the land. So it's not like I, know, I guess a picture, a visual picture would be like you know how LeBron James when he he like shoots that dust into the air. That's how I picture it, except with Moses and the staff. Um, but that dust that comes out eventually it just goes over all of Egypt, and and everyone there has boils. So it's just this, you know, I mean. If you even look at like something like anthrax or some sort of dust, when it goes into the air, it's not going to cover all the entire Egypt. You know, it, it went all over the place, and all of the people there were in pain. And and again, they, they didn't. They, they just did not um, come to repentance. Verse thirteen. Uh, then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning, stand before Pharaoh, and thus says the Lord God of you, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For at this time I will send all my plagues on you and your servants and your people so that you know that there is no one like me in all the earth for if by now i put forth my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence you would then have been cut off from the earth but indeed for this reason i have allowed you to remain in order to show you my power and to order to proclaim my name through all the earth still you exalt yourself my people against my people by not letting them go so again, this is a, it's interesting because God's giving them warning over and over again. There's even an act of grace and mercy here that he's saying, I don't want to destroy you because I want you to know my power. And, and yet Pharaoh chose not to. He exalted himself. And again, this exaltation of self is this pride that's why his, his heart is hardened. It's, it really stems down to, like, I don't want to be, I don't want to look bad before all of the nations, before all the worlds, and knowing that the God that all these gods that I worship, all these sacrifices I gave, um, that were actually false. And this is exactly what Jesus expects of the New Testament non-Christians, is that you deny yourself, pick your cross, and you follow Jesus. You're going to have to be, it's, it is going to be embarrassing. I think for people that convert to Christianity, you would bear the shame of Christ because you've realized that Christ is true and he's more valuable than anything that this world has to offer. Pharaoh in this place was given mercy. He's like, he gets a warning from the Lord that hey, if you don't repent, if you don't turn, uh, he's gonna judge you and, and, and unleash all kinds of um, pl pl plagues and pestilence on them. And Pharaoh chose not to because of his own pride. Now the God here that Yahweh destroyed is ISIS, not the terrorist group. But ISIS is like this is probably more well. This is one of more unique. I think this is probably the second to the. Uh, most popular Egyptian god, the Isis, and you know, the, and I think the reason why they actually named the magicians here is because there's these priests of Isis, Isis that used to clean themselves, and uh, they would wear white clothes. And boils is a sign of uh, bad health. Um, and when God is saying, "I'm going to just, I'm going to give you boils," it shows you that Isis is not in control. Um, and usually, you would go to Isis to go and fix your problems. This is kind of like a deity that's supposed to heal you um, from physical pain, but the Lord said that the here in the text that the Egyptians were unable to stand before Moses, meaning that they can't even do they can't do it anymore. Uh, they can't um, uh, withhold and, and trust in their false gods, but yet their heart still did not repent. Like it didn't soften their heart enough to repent. The last one for this uh, this study, verse eighteen. Behold, about the this time tomorrow I will send a very heavy hail, such as has been has not been in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now, Egypt has been around for a while now, but what's interesting is that there, it's likely that there weren't that many hail that was, you know, that, like, was around 
during Egypt because, you know, it's a very warm and desert-like place. So even if they did see ice or hail fall out of the sky, it probably did not last long. They were probably thinking, if it falls out of the sky, the sun would just burn it up. What's the problem? Um, but the way that this describes, like, it's like fireballs and everything else as well as a hail, fireball, and everything. Just It's just like, it's like media, it's almost like meteor showers, which I don't think they are because it's this hail. Um, so it just functions like that way. It's just like these fire ice balls coming out of the sky and burning everything and destroying things. Um, uh, let's see, uh, verse 19. And therefore send, uh, send, now therefore send, bring your livestock and whatever you have in the field to safety. Every man and beast that is found in the field and is not brought home when the hail comes down on them will die. The one among the servants of the Pharaoh who feared the word of Yahweh made his servants and his livestock flee into the houses, but he who paid no regard to the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. It's almost like this, ref it's almost like a, you know how in Revelation says like, those who have ears, let them hear. It's kind of like that right now. Like there are some magicians that saw all this going on and they're like, okay, I'm going to listen to Yahweh. The implication is that there were some Egyptians that understood that, okay, the, the, the Israel God is the true God. Um, and they took the warning. Now some repented, maybe some had a superficial repentance, we don't know. But it just seems just based on this, these two verses that these, in, these there are people that actually want to, you know, that they feared the Lord and listened to what he had to say because they, they, they trust that what's going to happen to them is, is going to come true. Verse 22, Now the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky, that hail may fall on all the land of Egypt, on man and on beast, and on every plant of the field throughout the land of Egypt. Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire ran down to the earth, and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire flashing continually in the midst of the hail, uh, very severe, such as not has, such ha, as had not been in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck all that was in the field through all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail also struck every plant of the field and shattered every tree in the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the sons of Israel were, there was no hail. And Pharaoh sent Moses and Aaron said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous one, and I and my people are the wicked ones. Make supplications to the Lord, uh, to Yahweh, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. Now I'll let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said, As soon as I go out of sea, I will spread out my hand to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be hail no longer, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. Again, this is why God's doing all this is that he owns everything. Yahweh is the only true God. Verse 30, but as for you and your servants, I know that you did not fear the Lord God. Isn't that scary? That there's like Moses at, at this point understands that even though this repentance is not true repentance, it's just kind of like a, he just, he has a, you know, you can acknowledge your own sin, which is what actually what Pharaoh does, but yet still do not trust in the Lord or fear the Lord. Verse 31, verse 31, 32 seems like it's weird, um, kind of like interlude, like now the flax and the barley were ruined for the barley was in the ear and the flax was in the bud, but the wheat and the spelt were not ruined for they were right, they ripened late. So basically he was saying that there were some crops that survived, even though a lot of things were destroyed and trees were destroyed, every tree was on, was destroyed, they were able to have some crops, but you'll know in the next plague in chapter 10 is like, no, those, those crops will be eaten too. So it doesn't, you know, they're little, whatever hope they have, it doesn't last very long. Verse 30, so Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread his 
spread out his hand to the the Lord, and the thunder and the hail ceased, and rain no longer poured on the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned again, and hardened his heart, he and his servants. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not let the sons of Israel go, just as Yahweh had spoken through Moses. Again, this is a, a, a Pharaoh um, not repenting. This was false type of repentance, and we see that in Scripture in Second Corinthians. At the end of it, speaks of there's a true repentance. There's there's, two, there's like a true repentance that leads to life, and there's a false repentance that leads to death. And Pharaoh here has a, a, false, a clear false repentance. Now, the God that um, Yahweh fought against is this God called. Is it spelled N U T Nut? But it's actually newt. The U has like these little two little dots on it. And basically, this is the goddess of the sky, and the fact that the um, you know they couldn't summon newt to stop the hail or lightning means that the this false Egyptian deity lost control of the sky. And Yahweh is showing that he is the true God through the through through how he controls all the elements. He is demonstrating again that he is the one true God, and he deserves all praise and worship. That's it for today. Um, uh, there's um, tomorrow on Friday. I'm going to go through chapter ten and maybe eleven. We'll see. Uh, I'll probably go through all the way to eleven because eleven is kind of a shorter portion. But we'll see. We'll see how much we get. But then uh, there's going to be two more plagues, and then um, when we get to I guess next week again, depending on how we do uh, this coming Friday, uh, we'll see the Passover as well as the death of the firstborn in Egypt. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I hope that this is helpful in terms of making you understand that we worship a very powerful God. And because we worship such a powerful God, there's no fear, in our, regardless of what goes on in the world. I think when we see all of these uh, things like, oh, in the news, in our modern day news, we see things like, oh, the climate change and all that, dude, don't worry. Trust the Lord. Be faithful in your life and know that the Lord controls the elements. Nothing that we can do can add or destroy the world that the Lord isn't going to do himself. May we uh, continue to have faith and trust in him and, um, and lean to him uh, no matter how bad our circumstances are in this life. And I hope that this text, especially these plagues, show us that we worship a very powerful God. Hope this is helpful. Take care and have a good day.